1: Steve Gordon is a best-selling author, the founder of The Unstoppable CEO, and the host of The Unstoppable CEO podcast. He has written over 400 articles on marketing for service businesses and helps service business entrepreneurs create leveraged marketing systems so they can spend less time on business development and more time on what matters most. After growing his firm's revenue by 10 times, Steve started his second business, consulting with businesses across 30 industries including manufacturing, professional services, and consulting to design sales, marketing, and referral systems for high-ticket, high-trust products and services. He's here to share what he's learned throughout his journey to help you attract your ideal clients and achieve the business goals you've been dreaming of. Welcome to the show, Steve.
0: Hey, Barbara. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun.
1: I think so, too. Steve, growing your firm's revenue 10 times is quite impressive. What was the biggest challenge you had, and how did you achieve this monumental growth?
0: Well, the, the biggest challenge was that I was young and new in business, and there was an awful lot we didn't know at that point between me and, and my team, and, and we were all fairly young. And so it was it was always a, uh, a bit of an adventure as we, we learned how to grow the firm. But, you know, back then, we would get referrals from clients, uh, which are great. Everybody gets referrals, but we didn't really know what made the phone ring one day and what made it not ring the next day. And so, you know, our, our new client flow was really inconsistent, you know, and, and uh, we really didn't know what to do at that point to influence it. We were selling a service that people didn't wake up in the morning wanting to buy. It was something that very specific people needed to buy at certain times in the life of their business, you know, and, and, uh, and that's a bit of a different animal to sell. It's, it's not like we had, you know, iPhones for sale with people lined up around the corner of the building to, to get one. So, uh, so those were all big challenges.
1: So how did you overcome them?
0: Well, I, I became a student of marketing and really began to devour everything that I could get my hands on to learn how to market and to sell. I came from a technical background and really wasn't trained to sell. So I got out into the real world and had all this great technical expertise and, and then was confronted with the stark reality that that expertise is absolutely useless to the entire planet if I can't figure out how to persuade someone to, to pay me for you know, delivering that expertise to them. And I imagine a lot of your listeners can relate to that.
1: Yes, it really is very tough, especially in these days. It's very trying times. You mentioned that you have some tactics to get referrals successfully. What are some of those?
0: Well, I I, I think, Barbara, before we dive into the tactics, I think the important thing to understand is, is the real challenge that you face when you go about referrals in, in kind of the traditional way. So the the way that that most people will go about referrals is you go to a patient, you'll go to a client, and you'll ask them something that sounds to them like, "So, do you know anyone that needs what we do this week?" And their answer, of course, is no. They can't think of anyone, and you wonder why you're not getting referrals. And the the fundamental reason that that clients and, and patients hesitate is that you're asking them to make a connection to someone that is you know a relationship that they have that they likely care about that they value and you're asking them to put that relationship on the line in the hopes that the person that they think of has a problem that you can solve and that you don't mess that relationship up whether intentionally or unintentionally and so all of the all of the risk all of the downside of making that referral sits on the shoulders of your patient or your client and all of the upside is coming to you and so you know people hesitate they they think that you know there's there's really more risk there than there is any benefit to them and so they won't do it unless they're absolutely sure that the person that they're going to send over is a perfect fit for you that's the reason most businesses don't get very many referrals what we discovered and what we've been teaching our clients since, since 2012 is that if you can remove that risk and make it easy for the, the patient or for the client to refer, then all of a sudden you can unlock all of this goodwill that you've got you know, with the people who are doing business with you. They want to help you. They just need a really low risk way to do that. And what we've discovered is that the easiest way to make that happen is to use uh, an information piece, something we call a referral kit. And sometimes the referral kit might take the form of a short book on you know, a particular problem that you solve. Sometimes it might take the form of a presentation. Maybe that's a, a live presentation, a seminar. maybe it's a virtual presentation you know where you do it over the web. And we find that those sorts of places to refer people to work much better. You'll get access to not just the one or two people that that patient might happen to know that need help, but you'll get access to many people in their network. And then because you're getting access to them, because you're getting contact information, because you're using that to send out a book or send out an invitation to an event, you now have the ability to communicate with that person independently. Now it's your job to, you know, to take over and, and add value in that prospect's life and, uh, you know, and begin the sales process.
1: Yes, that's a good idea. Another idea that I recommend is since people recommend those that they know and trust would be to actually make an appointment and call your specialists in the area that are complementary to you. For instance, if you're a family physician, contact the local ultrasound office or the cardiologist, the pediatrician, all of the specialties that your patients will also be going to besides you. And ask to take them out for a cup of coffee, sit down and get to know them and talk to them. Tell them not only how, how you can help their patients, but also how they can help your patients to make it a good team approach.
0: Yeah, I I think that that works well. The challenge you have, and one of the things that we've observed over the years is that when when you leave it to a another professional just to remember to refer you, we find that it doesn't happen as frequently as it could. And that's where having, you know, combining the two ideas. So go and meet with them, but have a short book. And it doesn't have to be an elaborate, you know, 150-page book. We've done these for clients where they were as, as short as 12-typed pages in Microsoft Word, and it got formatted as a, you know, 25 or 30-page book. But because it's a book, now you've got another professional who can confidently hand that out because we all know the, the value of a book. that has a, a, a pretty commonly held perceived value and it's a high perceived value and if it's on a specific problem that you address you know that that would be important to the the patients of those specialists then it's very easy for them to say anytime they hear someone talk about that problem hey i've got this book from my colleague you should read it here's a copy he gave me a bunch of copies that i can give out to patients here's a copy and of course in that book you want to have pointers back to you you want to have not just pointers back to make an appointment, but how can they get additional information? How can they learn more about the the challenges they're facing and the potential solutions?
1: Yes, that's a great idea. Another idea that tags along with that is to actually give uh, referral pads back to your office so that it's easy for the specialist to just sign his name and give it to the patient and all the information Mm -hmm. is already on it. So it saves the specialist time and he could just... uh, give it out and keep a record of it on his chart?
0: Sure, sure. And I I will tell you that the medical profession has done a lot of things right when it comes to marketing. Intentionally or unintentionally, as a a whole, the profession has done a number of things well. And the prescription pad is a great example of that. You know, the, the fact that I can go to a doctor and they can write a prescription to, for me to go do things and pay to do things that sound, uh, frankly, a little bit ridiculous when you, you you think about some of the tests and some of the things that people are put through, without the magic of the prescription pad, without the magic of that kind of referral, then um, you really wouldn't be able to, to make a lot of those things work. And so I, I think the medical profession has some unique advantages that that a lot of businesses don't have. And you know, so for example, an accountant could not easily pull off the same sort of thing. And and much of that has to do with the history of the medical profession and, and and how those services have been marketed and sold over the years.
1: What are four ways you recommend to attract patients or clients?
0: Well, I I think first and foremost you need to understand who you're trying to attract and, and who is an ideal patient. You know, in in a lot of practices, you may not have that flexibility because you're you're simply dealing with patients that are delivered by an insurance company. But in higher end practices and particularly in specialties where you're doing things that that aren't being reimbursed through insurance and people are paying out of pocket, I think it makes a great deal of sense to identify who would be an ideal candidate for that, who has the ability to buy that, um, you know who has the means to buy it, and come up with that profile. And that's the first and most important step that I see people skip over it all the time because the assumption is, well, everybody could use that. And that may be true, but that doesn't mean that everybody is your ideal client. And so I think that's that's probably the first and most fundamental thing. The second is to focus on referrals. And so we, with our clients, we've got this concept of the attention ladder. And if you want to kind of envision a ladder where you're kind of climbing up the different rungs of the ladder to get the attention of the people in your market. At the bottom of that ladder, the place to start is with referrals because they're the easiest. They're the most forgiving to being off on your messaging or off on your offer uh, or off on your, your targeting because they bring with them trust from the person making the referral. So you sort of, you, you know, you get a lot of the work done for you, Just through the simple act of referral, which is why everybody knows that they close so much easier. I think the the stat is that they from Nielsen is that the you know referred prospects close something like uh, at the rate of four times that of, of cold prospects. So once you've kind of mastered your message and your targeting and your offer, you know to your ideal client and proved it through referral, then you now have everything that you need to sort of. Climb that ladder and move up into to paid media, um, and paid media is great because you can scale your reach fairly easily and fairly quickly. But if you don't have your targeting and your messaging and your offer worked out, you can also go broke very quickly. And so we, we always advise folks to you know climb that that ladder um, and do it do it sequentially because that's going to get you. The best results, and and actually get you there quicker than any other way, and so that would be the, the second, I think, key to to attracting new clients. And the third is is looking at the offer itself, and making sure that what you're offering is actually attractive to people. And the offer isn't just what you deliver and the price you charge, but it's the experience that you create around that. And you know, are you creating an experience that someone might be willing to pay a premium for? And I'm a big believer in, in commanding premium pricing against the market because low pricing is, is a strategy that always fails. It's a race to zero. Sooner or later, the market gets to zero and you know, and nobody wins that game. Being in the middle makes you a commodity. And the only way to stand out and, and really be successful is that premium pricing and create an experience that people are willing to pay for. And so I think that's the, the third big key because that will attract people. By itself, we've worked with some physicians in the past we've worked with an orthodontist in the past that that did the same and uh, and just he was wildly successful in his market because he cre- created this great premium experience and then the the final I think is just to to fix your follow up and i I will tell you that's this is one area where most of the medical profession I think falls down. You have the perfect reason for somebody to come back on a regular basis, and in most practices. They don't do a good job of locking in patients for the next visit.
1: So how would you recommend they do that?
0: I would do it right at the the point of uh, you know of checkout. I mean I, when I get my haircut the the person doing the haircut always books the next appointment right then and there, and you know and i've actually I've had this conversation with my wife. she run, runs an ophthalmology practice, and I think it's their biggest opportunity to to increase revenue is just a simple you know book the next checkup effort and if they don't book right then and there make sure that there's a call list to book them in there's a dentist here in our town that that we've been going to for a number of years and they are they are aggressive about i mean they're super polite but they are aggressive about getting you in and they keep a list of who's missed You know, so I missed my last checkup because I was traveling and and our family tends to go all on the same day. Well, I've had four calls in the last month with them trying to fit me into cancellations and open appointments. And the the woman that they have call is just polite and kind. And I'm always happy to take her call because she couldn't be any nicer. And, you know, and she'll ask, what are your, so what are your schedule preferences? And she takes note of that. You know what days are best, so now she only calls me with the days of the week that I, you know, and the times of day that I tend to be free. So thinking about those things and picking up the lost revenue that that's already walking through the door, I think are are key things to be doing.
1: Another service that I really appreciate, which we could piggyback on what you've said, is you know I love getting a call two days out to remind me that I do have that appointment in case it has slipped my mind or I didn't see it in my appointment book to remind me that I do have that appointment and the date and the time to refresh in my mind that I will be going there. And they also make it easy to reschedule at that point if the appointment time is no longer convenient for me.
0: Absolutely. I think all of those things are great. And going back to what we talked about with, you know, creating, That premium experience, those little touches, as simple as they are, will really differentiate you because most practices aren't doing that.
1: That's true. I also love getting a call to say happy birthday or a card. So, for all of you doctor offices that are not doing it, you're really missing a golden opportunity. Patients really do enjoy getting them.
0: Yeah, I I think all of those things are great. Now, I think you can go wrong with that sort of stuff too. So, you know the orthodontist where our kids go. Who I, I know personally, I mean, she's a friend. They have gone to sending out emails and text messages on birthdays, and maybe for the kids that's a great thing. But I get them for our kids' birthdays, and you know, it, to me, it is the most impersonal thing. So I think if you're going to if you're going to try to create a personal touch and do that at scale, it's got to still retain some personal interaction with it. You know, there's got to be that effort put in.
1: Yeah, that's why I love getting a card, you know, a birthday card in the yeah. snail, snail mail.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a great idea.
1: So uh, what are you referring to when you say paid media?
0: Well, uh, so that's anything you pay for to get in front of people. So it might be print, it might be TV, radio, it could be Facebook ads, it could be Google ads, direct mail, all of those sorts of things uh, I would categorize as paid media.
1: Okay, so listeners, in case you're starting to get a little bit nervous regarding the amount of money that you would have to put aside in your budget, I also just want to point out that there are a lot of free experiences that you could do. You could schedule a talk at the library for the community to see you and hear what you have to say in terms of you know, conditions that you treat or conditions that patients have a lot of questions for. When you go, make sure to have a lot of business cards to give out to those who request them. You could also go to the local community health fair and also give a talk there. Again, on social media, uh, in the chat rooms and the forums, you could be there to supply the solutions to questions that and problems that people are struggling with. So paid opportunities are great, But if you don't have the budget, there are plenty of unpaid, free opportunities for you as well
0: absolutely. I, i'm I'm a big advocate of of getting in front of a room of people and doing that in a way where you're talking about a specific enough problem that people with that problem will identify that event as being for that. You know, it's if you if you go and are really general with the topic, it's not going to work very effectively. But if you're very specific and, and you know, if you treat multiple types of, of conditions, you, you may you may segment by condition and put a talk on and then have someone there from your office at, at the back of the room to book appointments. And that way you're not having to chase people down or rely on them remembering or, you know, or hoping that that they'll get up the nerve to book an appointment, because let's face it, booking an appointment with a doctor to deal with a, you know, a a mild or even a serious medical condition is a, a scary thing. And we know people will hesitate and delay and procrastinate in doing it. So if you can give them the opportunity to take action right then and there, that's not only good for you, it's better for the patient because you've simplified the process of getting into your office and and you've given them an opportunity to take action right away and, and improve their lives.
1: That's absolutely true. Also, if you have a portal, what you can do is have a cheery little handout that has the URL of the portal available so that the patient could just go in and schedule their own appointment right then and there without having to speak to anyone if they're shy.
0: Absolutely. You know, you always want to give them multiple ways to to get in and, uh, and not limit yourself just to one.
1: Well, Steve, I really enjoyed this episode, and I'm sure that our listeners have learned a lot. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thanks, Barbara. It's been fun.
1: This is another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm glad you were able to spend time with us today. We'll see you again soon.